Redemption, a series on redemption. So today, if you want to turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, we're going to start this series. The book of Luke and chapter 19. We'll talk a little bit more about what it is to be redeemed and to have redemption, but we wanted to see people in the Bible where their lives are forever changed when they encounter God. We'll look at some folks in the Old Testament and some folks in the New Testament, and hopefully you'll be encouraged. So what I want to challenge you a couple areas is I want you to think about it this way. On the one hand, think about what God can do in and through your life, okay? Um, We'll talk a little more about that in just a second. But on the other hand, I want you to think about other people that need the hope and the redemption that the Lord brings. So let's look together, Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. I think you guys will find a lot of this is familiar. I mean, real quick, does everybody see the, the picture? What is, what is that a picture of? It can by tell? So you got a fireman, right? Can you see that? It's kind of hard what, what he's holding. It looks weird from far away. <laughs> It's actually, he has a little girl in his arms, and she's holding one of her stuffies. So if you zoom in real close, it looks like a little bunny rabbit that she has in her arms, okay? The idea being, we're going to look for this for the next month and a half or so, is that these stories of where the Lord comes and he rescues someone, and he, he takes them and saves them out of their mess for his glory. So today, let's look at Luke chapter 19, and verse 1, the scripture says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. And he could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he saw him, and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. Verse 7, And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood, and he said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, forasmuch as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Let's just pray briefly. Lord, I just want your hand to be on us today. Let your spirit move. Let your word speak to our hearts. And Lord, you do the work today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you believe that God can still rescue and redeem? Yesterday, I had a real privilege to go to the quarterly meeting that was in Chandler, down by Evansville, Indiana. And there was people, not a lot of people, but people from all over. Do you guys remember Jeff Pope that was here maybe about a month or so ago? And he came from Emmanuel and spoke. Well, his son has been working with Pastor Daniel Edwards down there at Chandler, and he has been set aside. I don't know if you guys know how this works, but usually what happens, a young man answers the call to preach. They say, I think the Lord wants me to be a preacher. Well, they don't right away say, okay, you're a preacher. (laughs) 
they say, well, what do you know and where do we need to teach you? And if you haven't been to school, uh, Brother Eric has been to school and so he's been studying that. But if they haven't, they have a course that these guys go through to make sure that their doctrine is sound. And then they do what they call is they set them aside. And it can be for like one year or two years. Basically, they want to watch their life and their work and their ministry, which is good, right? Kind of think of it as an apprenticeship in other positions, okay? And after they watch them for a couple of years, they'll say, I think they're measuring up. They're seeking the Lord. They're on good track. And so we had the privilege yesterday is we had an ordination service. And so Brother Eric, uh, he came up and he sang a really good song. I'll try to bring it to you guys. Basically, is about giving Christ all the glory. And the tune is Old Lang Zion. <laughs> so everybody knows the tune like right away. And then after he did spoke a little bit, then we all gather around all the ministers who have been ordained like we were doing to him that day. And we placed our hand on, t- on him and we prayed for God to set him apart and to use his ministry. It was so powerful. Brother Daniel actually preached a message and he just, he just crushed me. Just like, you ever get, you know, we talked about two weeks ago when the Lord disciplines you. Well, he was really wearing me out yesterday. Okay. And Daniel's message to Eric was, he says, sometimes he's afraid that in small churches, we equate fruitlessness with faithfulness. In other words, we just make excuses for why things aren't going well. And so we just say, well, it's because we're being faithful. And what Daniel was pushing Eric was to never, ever stop dreaming big things for God because we serve a big God. Now, we want to do whatever those things are, right? Not what we envision. That's what we just talked about. But we want to do those things that God has for us because we believe he's still in the seeking and saving business, right? That's why we're here, people. This is the gospel. This is the core of the gospel. It is redemption. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. So let's look a little bit today at that idea as it relates to Zacchaeus. Have any of you ever been rescued? But some of you have some pretty good stories, right? Yeah? And one of these days we may have to sit down and have Michael share some stories about being rescued. Have you ever been rescued by your parents when you didn't really want to be, but you knew you had to be? <laughs> okay, Mom. Okay, Dad. I should know how to fix this, but it's not working, right? On more than one occasion, my dad has had to come and and bail me out. Probably the worst one was, uh, one of the worst things was that Wendy and I first got our house there in uh, Noblesville, I had decided that, you know, we're trying to be, you know, cut the corners and be cheap as we can be. It's like, they said, well, we can put in the garage door opener for you, or you can do it yourself. Oh, we can do that. We'll do that ourselves, okay? So my friend Kevin comes over, and we start trying to put up this garage door opener. And as you put the, the, the mount up there, you, usually what it looks like is really strong, you know, like angle beams. We'll hold that up. Well, Kevin and I had bought some metal strips with holes in them, and ours looked kind of like monkey arms going <laughs> to the ceiling. And that garage door opener was looking about half this way, and the door would work about half the time. So my dad had to come over and bail me out because you guys know my skills and abilities when it comes to handyman kind of thing. Give me a computer, or an iPad, we're golden, right? But do that kind of stuff, not so well. Sometimes we need to be rescued. That's the idea here today. We're going to see Zacchaeus and the rescue that he receives from the Lord. We're going to look at different stories of rescue over the next few weeks. To be honest, I would love to hear your redemption stories. If any of you would be bold enough, so bold over the next few weeks to be willing to share how God changed your life before the message, I would love for you to come and to share that story. So keep that in your mind if the Lord's prompting you about that. All right, who was Zacchaeus? Look back in verse 1. Who was Zacchaeus? 
Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, sycamore fig tree, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. If you guys look in the book of Luke, in the chapter before, we run into a guy that we know as the rich young ruler, right? What do you remember about the rich young ruler? He was rich, he was young, he was a ruler, right? What else do you remember? What did Jesus ask him to do? Only one thing. He just said one thing, all you need to do, sell all you have, give the poor, come follow me, right? Sell all you have. This is kind of interesting, I think, as Luke writes his story, we have right in the chapter before, someone who's presented with the gospel, who has an opportunity for redemption, all he has to do is sell what he has and give to the poor, And then you're going to balance that with the story of Zacchaeus. What do you know about Zacchaeus? Well, we don't know if he was young. He probably wasn't quite as young. And we don't think that he was necessarily a ruler. But he was what? Wealthy. He was rich. The scripture says Zacchaeus was a rich man. So Jesus is making his way into Jericho. There's different things that happen You'll see the story there again of the, of the rich young ruler just before that. And at the very end of chapter 18, you're going to see where Jesus heals a blind beggar as he's making his way into Jericho. So as Jesus does these things, I mean, could you imagine if Jesus came through town and he stopped by a hospital and the next thing you know, there were like 50 people that had had a disease that didn't have it anymore and he kept walking, what would happen? The camera crews would be everywhere, right? I mean, he would be lighting up Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, the whole place would be like, whoa, there's this guy going through. And whenever he goes, people are being healed. And so you can imagine the throngs, right? As we've been studying our English, where do we get our English Bible? I like the King James word here is the press. Zacchaeus couldn't get to him because of the press. Is he talking about the media? No. (laughs) The press is the crowd, The crowd is so great following Jesus because everywhere he goes, there's these incredible stories of healing. There's guys that were blind that can see. There's people that had demons possessing them, and they're now walking around sane and healthy. People that couldn't hear that can hear. Now, people that couldn't walk that are walking. There's even a few stories of a couple dead guys that are alive again. You think the crowd would follow? Definitely, right? And so Zacchaeus is not really different from anyone else in that sense he would like to see what this is all about. So Luke introduces to Zacchaeus, and he calls him, again, King James says, chief among the publicans. What's a publican? So you've got your new translation there. It says tax collector, right? I think we've been through this enough that you guys probably remember this, but you remember how the story works, right? Israel, right now, they are under Roman control. And the way things work in Rome is you love those nice aqueducts and you love those beautiful Roman roads, you're going to pay for them. As a matter of fact, probably the people outside of Rome are going to pay a little more than the people inside Rome, right? And so the way they would do it is they would hire people from within the community to go and collect taxes from the the people of their community. If you go to a gathering and you're shaking hands with people and you're saying, what's your job? And someone says, you know, oh, I'm a business person or, oh, I'm a pilot. Oh, I'm whatever. And somebody says, oh, I work for the IRS. Do you all of a sudden kind of like, oh, how's it going? (laughs) Right? This is the tax man. And even in our day, there's a little bit of 
okay, you're dealing with taxes. I want to stay just a little bit away from you, right? So in Zacchaeus' day, what is different about him is he definitely was known to be a traitor. That's how people viewed him. Because what the tax guys were known for doing is they would run this little deal where, hey, uh, Rome says we need, maybe we'll just make up a number, we need 15%. Well, so Zacchaeus would say, well, Rome says uh, we need 18%. And 3% would go in his pocket, right? And if he was chief among the tax collectors, you guys that run any pyramid scheme, you probably know how that works, right? Uh, the, the guy that's on the top does the best, Okay, so being the chief of tax collectors meant that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, but also meant that he was well-known and also meant that he was not well-liked. So people around the town would say, I know who Zacchaeus is. He's a chief tax collector. We try to stay away from him, and we don't really like him at all because he is hurting his own people. Why would anybody ever do such a thing? Luke introduces him as the chief tax collector. He also tells us a little bit more about him. He was short. It's kind of interesting, isn't it, right? Zacchaeus was not a tall guy, so he could like see up over the crowds what was going on. So he's going to have to find a different way to deal things. On this day, he wants to see Jesus. So he does something that I think is kind of unusual. He decides he's going to climb a tree so that he can see what all the hustle and bustle is about. Have you ever wanted something so much that you would kind of go out of your way to do things a little bit different, to see it or to view it or to get it? You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, are any of those crazy people here that ever camped out somewhere to get tickets for something? Right? <laughs> right? Um, you're like, oh, I just really want this so bad. Um, this week is Apple's big dog and pony show. So we'll see if anybody, they're doing iPads and new backbooks. I'm sure that we'll hear some story of somebody doing something crazy to see what the latest, greatest thing is, right? What do you really, what would you really uh, maybe go out of your way to see? Everybody know the president was in town this weekend, right? FFA, there's like 67 future farmers of America in Indianapolis this weekend. That's a huge group, isn't it? And so uh, president's there. What are you guys laughing about? 67,000? Okay. All right, I'm going. Um, anyway, president's in town. What'd you do? What would you do to see the president? Right? Would you do anything special? I actually got to see the governor at a conference I was at last week. The governor spoke up. Is there anybody you would go out of your way to see? How about like a musician or an inventor? Right? Hmm. Here's what I want to get to think about again just a little bit. Here's Zacchaeus. Something was already at work in his heart, wasn't it, right? Because he wanted to see Jesus, and he didn't want to just, oh, if Jesus comes by, well, I'd like to see what's going on. He went out of his way to make sure that he would have an opportunity to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And here's the challenge I have for you right off that this morning, is that we should do the same thing in our lives spiritually, okay? Sometimes you're going to have to go out of your way to set aside time to see the Lord, does that make sense? The best laid plans of I'm going to get up an hour early and have my shower. I'm going to do my exercise. I'm going to read my Bible, have my breakfast, have this peaceful morning, and then just kind of saunter, or not saunter, float off to work, whatever, right? Does that ever happen for anybody? You know what happens to the preacher? Snooze, snooze, 
snooze. Oh no, it's seven o'clock. I got to go to work. Anybody else like that? Thank you. I'm not the only one, okay? <laughs> and so what we need to see is like, so then if I'm going to want to have my relationship with the Lord, I'm gonna, sometimes I'm going to have to push something else out of the way so I can see the Lord like I need to see him, right? Zacchaeus was already hungry and thirsty to get a hold of the Lord. Look at verse 5. We're going to see that he has lunch. I'm saying lunch. It could have been breakfast, lunch, or supper. I just want you to get this idea. He's having a meal with Jesus. So Jesus, again, he's been with the rich young ruler. He's healed the blind beggar. And now he reaches the spot where Zacchaeus is up in this tree, and he's been looking around. And the scripture says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Don't you love the crowds, right? So what happens here? The crowds are all walking along, just thronging Jesus, seeing who he's going to heal next, whatever. And Jesus, again, divinely driven, walking along. He notices the little short man up in the tree. Zacchaeus, get down. I have an appointment with you at your house today. Now, can you just, again, do a little penology here with me for a second. Can you imagine what that would be like? What if the Lord, the Lord who had been healing again the blind and the deaf, the Lord who had walked on the water, who had calmed the seas, the Lord who had cursed the tree, the Lord who had raised someone from the dead, was walking by and he called out your name and he said, Donna, we're going to have breakfast this morning. Okay, I'm going to have supper at your house tonight. Robert, lunch, be there. What would go in your mind? Oh, my house is a wreck. <laughs> That's what would go in my mind, right? Oh, I got to clean the house, right? What is, he, what is he going to ask me about? Why is he singling me out? What have I done? Can you imagine what was turning in Zacchaeus' mind whenever the Lord called him out? And he said, I, I've got to meet with you today. Now, I love in verse 6 what the Scripture says. So he came down at once and welcomed him. How? Gladly. I think some of us would be so intimidated or so scared or like, I don't know if I want Jesus in my house. Again, Zacchaeus has got a sin problem. He's been cheating his own people left and right. But something has been working in his heart. Something has been working in him that's going to change him. And he's just so glad to have the Lord come and be present with him. Again, can you imagine to sit down and talk with Jesus over a meal? That's the privilege that Zacchaeus is going to have. What do you think it would be like to have lunch with the Messiah? Now, at the same time, at the end there in verse 7, what goes on in the crowd? Oh, man, can you believe that? Does, Jesus doesn't know who he's with. That guy's a traitor. He's a cheat. He's a scoundrel. Oh, he's got his hand in the politician's pockets. He's a mess. Why would the prophet be with him? Quick aside. When you go help people in dirty and dark places, some of the crowd is going to say junk about you. Whew, try to be careful here. Some of my own kids have been in situations where they were trying to help somebody who was in a bad spot. And when they were trying to help them, other people began to lay names on my own kids saying, what are you doing in that place with that person? You should not be doing that. 
And I know what they were doing is they were loving and holding up and trying to help out somebody who was in the middle of a mess. And that's why when we live and love and serve, we don't please the crowd. Amen? We please the Lord. And we see here our Lord's example. You guys, many times when you do the right thing, the crowd is going to say it's all the wrong reasons. Again, the preacher gets on the soapbox here, not too quick, too long, hopefully to read this morning. But today we live in this culture where somebody does something in the public eye and all of a sudden everybody has to criticize it one way or the other. Nobody can just say, oh, that was nice or thank you. No, 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 we've got to say everything that's wrong with it. That's not really new, is it? <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it is, but it's been going on since the day of Christ. It's been going on since the beginning, right? The crowd is muttering, oh, he's there with the sinner. He shouldn't be doing that. Just a quick aside, in Luke chapter 7, verse 33, this comes to mind as I think about people condemning Christ for being with the sinner. Jesus says, Luke writes in chapter 7, verse 33, he says, For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you say... Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. This is so fitting, okay? John the Baptist, he's kind of like the super hyper conservative. He's a little more of the crazy prophet type, right? Remember what he wore, right? He had this leather belt. He ate locusts and wild honey. He had camel's skin <laughs> outfit on. He ran around the wilderness, but he didn't drink at all. He was a teetotaler like a good free will Baptist, <laughs> okay? He didn't drink. He even fasted over and over. And what did the people say about John the Baptist? He's demon-possessed. He's crazy. He can't be right. That's one extreme. Jesus, on the other hand, comes and he goes and he eats with a prostitute. The prostitute actually probably was washing his feet with her hair, Right? He sits down with people who have problems with gluttony and people who have problems with drinking. Jesus goes to their house, right? Matthew invited the sinners. He was a tax collector as well. Jesus has this habit of being around tax collectors. And what did the people say about Jesus? They said Jesus was a drunkard and Jesus was a glutton because he was loving people in those places and positions. And Jesus basically says, you crowd, you people, there's nothing gonna make you happy. Isn't that good? I just, for the whole political correctness mess, that's like the best words, isn't it, right? You can have the far whatever and the far whatever. Nothing's going to make you happy. But he says, wisdom is proved right by her children. In other words, your works will display what was right. Amen. Let your works do the talking. And for John the Baptist, oh man, probably thousands of lives were changed because of his preaching in the wilderness. And for Jesus... The world is turned upside down, okay? Again, be careful when you follow all the polling and you're always worried about what everybody thinks about you and where you're at and who you're hanging out with. If you're following the Spirit's lead, let your desire for pleasing someone be to please the Lord. Again, are we loving the saints and the sinners? All right, look on down and we'll finish up here. Salvation comes to the house of Zacchaeus, verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Wisdom is proved right by her actions. What did Zacchaeus say? Did Zacchaeus just get up and he danced around the pews and he raised his hand and he said, I have the Spirit? <laughs> right? He did some pretty amazing things. He climbed a tree to see the Lord, right? He invited, the, brought the Lord to his house. But what, what do you see that demonstrates Zacchaeus' faith and the change in his heart? Is he makes amends for his sin. He repents. Are you with me today? For redemption to come, a prerequisite to redemption is repentance. If you will not forsake your sin, if you will not say this is wrong, and I'm not saying you're perfect, but when you don't call wrong what God calls wrong, you're never going to find redemption. And Zacchaeus here calls it wrong, and he says, here's what I'm going to do. I know I have abused my power. I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor. Remember the rich young ruler? What did the Bible say about him? He went away sad because he was very what? Wealthy, right? He wouldn't give what he had to the poor. Um, here we have a contrast of that, and Zacchaeus says, half of all I have I'm giving to the poor. So you can see change already in his heart. And then he goes beyond that, doesn't he? What's he say next? He says, if I have ever cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back what? Four times. He says, I'm going to give him four times the interest. That's pretty good interest, right? <laughs> if I have ever done someone wrong, I'm going to deal with it now, and I'm going to make it right. You guys remember Jesus? I should have pulled this scripture up earlier, but in the book of Matthew, I believe it's in chapter 5, Jesus says, if you're coming to lay your gift at the altar and you have something against your brother, Go deal with your brother first and then come and bring your gift to the altar. It's more important for your re relationship to be reconciled for than you to make your offering. And your offering is of no use. It's of no benefit. It doesn't please the Lord if your heart is not right with the people in your life. That's not my words. That's what Jesus said, right? Zacchaeus is doing the same thing. If salvation is going to come to his house, then he's going to have to repent, and that repent is actionable. And he's going to go and make amends for the wrong that he has done. Now, can you fix everything you've ever broken? No, right? Some things that we break, we cannot fix. Amen? This is how it is, right? And that's where we have to trust the Lord. We can repent. We can ask for forgiveness. We can do everything within our power, but then we have to offer those things up to the Lord. There are some relationships, some things that we've done with people in our past. Definitely, I know that I have that I can't go and fix it, but I can at least say I'm sorry and here's what I will do, everything in my power to make this right as far as it depends upon me, okay? And so what does Jesus say again in verse nine? Today, salvation has come to this house. Hmm. And he says, this man too is a son of Abraham. What's that mean? You want me to start doing Father Abraham up here for you? Casey, did you ever have to do that, Father Abraham? <laughs> right? Father Abraham had many sons, and I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. That was Jesus' way of saying that he is a child of God. He is part of God's spiritual Israel. He is a part of the church. He has found redemption. Jesus rescued Zacchaeus. He yanks him out of a tree, has some meal with him, and the Lord's already been working in his heart. 
Zacchaeus repents of the wrong he's done. He's going to make restitution. And Jesus proclaims he's a son of Abraham. Salvation has come to his house. Now, that's what's interesting to me. I don't know. This is, again, all speculation. But it's interesting to me that Jesus uses the word this house, isn't it? Maybe Zacchaeus had a wife. Maybe he had kids. Maybe he had grandkids. But what we see a lot of times in the Scriptures, in the New Testament especially, when salvation comes, it doesn't always just come to one person, does it? When that person's life gets changed, what happens to the people around them? They are impacted by that, aren't they? Right? And so we want to be a part of that redemption because we know that it has a ripple effect. All right. He is a true son of Abraham. The whole purpose, and this is where we want to close up today, Jesus says the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The whole reason Luke tells us the story, the Son of Man, that is Jesus, he came. Again, remember, he left the throne of heaven. We're about to go into that season where we will talk about that over and over. He came to seek. You don't just have to go seek out Jesus. Jesus is chasing after you, isn't he, right? He came to seek, and then what else? To do what? to save, to rescue. Just like the fireman's picked up the little girl and is going to give her life back to her, Jesus gives his life back to Zacchaeus to save, to seek the lost. Are there lost people today? The media would love to tell you that there are no lost people. Everybody's just fine. Don't worry about it. But the scripture is very clear, isn't it? Jesus came to save lost people. And we need to be out of the same thing. So let me put this together for you like this. I think you've heard this before. This always challenged me the first time I heard it. And I think it's a good way to approach your life and your decision-making, even this week. What's the best thing ever happened to you? Some people probably would say, Wendy is the best thing ever happened to me. They'd be pretty close. What's the best thing ever happened to you? The day I found the Lord, that's the best day. That's the best thing my life, I did it at six years old, and my whole life has been different ever since. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. The day that I started crying and knelt on a brown couch, and I said, Jesus, take my life, and you can use it however you want. I want to be part of your kingdom. That's the best thing that ever happened to me, right? What's the best thing that's ever happened when you help someone else? What's the best thing you can do for anyone else? The day that I was in a New Year or Christmas Eve service and I was sitting down on that piano and I had been working with this lady for two years and we had studied the Bible in a small group setting and we had prayed and she knew she wasn't a Christian and she came up that evening after the service and she said, I'm ready. <laughs> that was one of the best days of my whole life because I've been pouring myself into her that she would find Christ. And I saw her last weekend uh, at Walmart when we were in Salem. <laughs> and she is still serving the Lord. Yes, that's the best thing you can do for anyone else. Why in the world did Jesus come to earth? The Son of Man came to do what? To seek and to save the lost. Now, can we save anybody? No, but if the Lord of heaven left the highest place of heaven to come and to find lost people and give them redemption so they could have hope, do you think that should be a part maybe of our life and our decision-making? If it's the best thing ever happened to you, the best thing you can do for someone else, and the whole purpose for Jesus' ministry on earth, I think maybe that should play a part in our daily decision-making. Amen. Your preacher, just like you, he gets wrapped up in all the stuff of the day. Okay, this server isn't working. Okay, the network problem's over here. Okay, what are we doing for dinner? Oh, no, I forgot to pay this bill, or I got to go to the doctor. I got to do the dentist today. The oil change needs to happen. Can I be a minister in all those situations? 
Can you be a minister in all those situations? Yes. You can look for an opportunity to share the gospel when you get the oil changed, when you go to the dentist, when you're at work with your coworkers, when you're at home with your family. Look for an opportunity to be a part of redemption and watch the Lord work and move. All right. Let's stand this morning. I appreciate your attention so much. Over the next few weeks, again, I'm going to really push on you to be thinking about who you can share the gospel with. Who can you pray for? And today I wanted to start that very idea. Who can you pray for today? Uh, Several years ago, a man and his wife were found frozen to death in their car. A blizzard had dumped tons of snow in the area, burying their vehicle. Before she died, the woman scribbled a note on a piece of paper and stuffed it in the glove compartment. The note read, I don't want to die this way. Tragically, less than six feet from their icy grave was a stranded bus whose festive passengers remained warm throughout the night. You guys, there are churches all over Indianapolis, right? But there are people who don't know Jesus all over Indianapolis. How sad it would be when things are all said and done that there was somebody sitting by us on a bus or in a conference or coming to our workplace or when we went to the grocery store, that all we really had to do was try to, in a gentle way, point them to Jesus and their life could have been different. Lord, help us this week to be sensitive to God's spirit and to be a light and a witness and to be part of redemption. I'm going to go play and you pray in your, for your heart and for people in your life. Pray for our church, if you would, today that God would send us people and send us to people that we can share this great story of redemption.